You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday Day after the Pelicans wrapped up the, I guess, regular season of Summer League, the pool play in Summer League with a resounding win. We are going to recap that game for you. I'm going to catch you up on a few things that David Griffin said on the Adrian Wojnarowski podcast over on ESPN and one or two other things going on around the league. Hopefully, we are staying dry here in New Orleans when you're listening to this. So we are just going to jump right on into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we get into the Summer League game programming note, yes, there will be a podcast on Friday despite the weather that we're expecting here in New Orleans. Going to be recording it at some point tomorrow. Should have a guest on too, so it should be a lot of fun and frankly something to listen to while we're all hunkering down, I think is the phrase everyone likes to use. If you're in New Orleans, please stay safe. And for I've seen the videos of it. People are laughing about it. Don't swim in the water out there. Come on now. Uh, so we will have a podcast on Friday. Should again have a guest and we will kind of hit the weekend as we gear up for the second half of Summer League starting on Saturday for your New Orleans Pelicans. Some more summer league action for the Pelicans taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and this one was just a straight-up route for New Orleans. 99-78, to New Orleans goes to 3-1 and at the first four games of summer league, all but assuring themselves a spot in the 8-team tournament that starts on Saturday. You play a minimum of five games, so anyone who doesn't make the tournament plays in a consolation game, and then it goes to just standard knockout format, so the Pelicans will play their fifth game Saturday or Sunday, I forget the exact exact dates of these things. But New Orleans has impressed, and right now they are the odds-on favorite to win Summer League, despite Zion Williamson and some of the other guys that we were expected to see not playing. So very cool overall from New Orleans. Some really good showings from their rookies, particularly in this one. Um, we can, And we'll dive into their individual play in a minute here. But you had Didi Silva putting up 12 points on the night. Jackson Hayes in a quieter night, but showed us something that we weren't expecting from him. 13 points on the night, along with seven rebounds, six of eight shooting, by the way. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker finished with a team-high 26 on the night, uh, six assists, five rebounds, three of seven from deep, 10 of 20 from the field. You had to like what you saw out of him. And then Cavell Bigby-Williams from LSU, 13 points, six boards in kind of a reserve role in this one. It was really the Nikhil Alexander show, and rightfully so. This was a dude who just kind of did everything again. 26 points on the night, five rebounds, six assists. He did have five turnovers, and this comes from him having a lot of passes in his repertoire and recognizing passing lanes. But the issue, I think, when you look at him a little bit is that he only has one type of speed on his pass. Not so much touch right there. He just fires and rifles these things in um, to his teammates, which can be a little bit tough at times. It makes him feel like he can get away with some things. And that's why it's turning into turnovers because really they're not the best passes to make. This is to be expected. 
It's his second game, and it's summer league, and he hasn't really practiced much with the team. So when you kind of look at this, not really a big deal to me. The scoring was there, and I think you've got to be pretty impressed with that. He hit three of his seven three-point attempts. He's not really a guy who shoots from the corners. Being that lead guard from the team, he's shooting from above the break of the three-point line. So he's doing that. And then basically scoring in the paint and at the rim. The rest of his makes, other than one, were all basically in the restricted area. He finishes around the basket incredibly, incredibly well, and this is a very encouraging sign. I've talked about Lonzo Ball and how his lack of finishing around the rim really hurts his offense because it kills any sort of aggression from him. He knows he can go to the rim and get to the rim, but he's going to get fouled rather than scoring. Then he's got to go to the free throw line and he can't hit those free throws, so he just stops attacking in general. Well, if Alexander Walker can finish around the rim like this, he's going to be attacking and he's going to be a lot of offense for the team. He also got to the line four times um, in this one. He finishes well. He's got a number of different ways to score. The finger rolls, the up and under moves. He can do it. He doesn't mind kind of being off balance in air with some contact to be able to kind of use his long arms and get him around a defender and lay it off the glass on a finger roll. This is a guy who did most of his scoring inside. That is pretty great to see. Again, 26 points from him on the night. He was also active in the fast break. New Orleans forced 18 turnovers from this one. We're not going to really look at the Cavs or any of the guys on there because there's just no real need to, but they were bad. 36.2% from the field, 37.1% from deep, 18 turnovers on the night, which let New Orleans run a lot. And when you miss that many shots, the team's going to grab defensive boards, which they did, and they can also get it out and run. So they scored 17 points in the fast break. They put up, I think it was something like 23 points off of turnovers. That is exactly what you want to see from this team, exactly what they want to do. And Alexander Walker's a big part of that. He put up three of his own points in the fast break, but was leading them on those breaks a lot if he could get the ball and getting guys organized. So a very good night from him for this team playing the style of ball that they want to play. Alvin Gentry was on the broadcast um, in a weird camera setup for a while out there. That broadcast was awful, by the way. But anyway, he was out there talking about what you look for in summer league. And he said, number one thing is these guys just to hustle, to go out and play hard. That's not really something you can teach. And it's an innate thing. And these guys all do it. Zion does it. You saw it from Frank Jackson in the first game too. Kenny Hustle hustles. Kenrich Williams, and then you've got the three other rookies that are all doing the exact same thing. So they're checking off that number one box that Alvin Gentry's looking for. The number two box, he said, was how do you follow the game plan? Can you go out and execute kind of what we've outlined for the team? They did, 17 points in the fast break, forcing 18 turnovers, possession enders is the phrase that David Griffin likes to use. They were out there running and kind of doing exactly what they were probably coached to do. So this is a very good sign overall for New Orleans and what they are trying to accomplish for next season. It also makes you feel really good about all of these young guys and the basketball IQ that they possess. That is a top quality that this team is looking for in its players, and it seems like you grabbed four guys who who are going to be able to contribute at an NBA level and just be smart basketball players. 
that's awesome given what we've seen over the past couple of years here in New Orleans. Speaking of hustle, we do have Kenny Hustle, who I do want to shout out. He had nine points on the night, 10 rebounds, three assists. He looked good. He's looked good in Summer League, despite a lot of his numbers not necessarily translating and popping out at you. He keeps that offense going. He keeps guys energized. He's hustling left and right and just trying to make plays. He doesn't need to be playing in Summer League anymore. I'd still like to see a more consistent three-point shot, but he's trying and he's shooting. And when you look at this guy, he only played 26 minutes in 26 minutes and a half minutes on in this game. That's the fourth most on the team. He had the highest individual plus minus of plus 20. That tells you how much this dude is contributing to this team. So it was good to see him, and it's good to see him have a very good summer league when maybe at times you weren't sure if he was going to be on the roster or not next season, but I think he's definitely earned that spot. We'll talk about Jackson Hayes and Didi Silva in a second, but don't forget, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, whether that's iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. It is there Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know, and it is an exciting time. So whether you're a new listener or a listener who's been with me through any period that I've been doing this, at least the podcast now for three plus years, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you making me part of your day. Again, don't don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans and please leave a five-star review. So Jackson Hayes and Didi Silva still impressed in their second summer league game, but let's focus on Jackson Hayes first because he impressed in a way that maybe we weren't expecting to see, at least this early on in his career. And again, all of this, even talking about Alexander Walker, it's summer league. Like This is not necessarily a predictor of greatness. You saw that uh, Alexander Walker had those turnovers and he's likely going to have more in the NBA because of the way he plays and the fact that he's you know a rookie and not uh, a seasoned NBA pro. So it's going to be a bit of a struggle at times for these guys. So don't get get excited, but keep it in perspective of what it might be like when they play against, you know, NBA players. But Jackson Hayes looked very good again. 13 points on the night, 7 rebounds along with one assist, only one turnover. He had one block as well. He was 6 of 8 from the field. The impressive thing was he was one of one from deep from three. Dude made a three-pointer. He didn't even take a three-pointer, I don't think, at Texas last season. This is a guy who in his entirety uh, college career, the one season at Texas, took three jumpers, I think, or he made three jumpers. He made two jumpers tonight. He took four overall, basically, um, with some range in there. That's kind of surprising. That first mid-range one he hit, which was really basically at the free-throw line, If you go back and watch it, his form looks good. Like, it's very smooth. There's no kind of weird things at the release or holding the ball too low or not getting his legs under it. It looked better than what we saw Zion's jumper look like on the opening night of Summer League. And then that three-pointer, when he got the ball, kind of hesitated for a second, but felt comfortable enough to take it because he was wide open, which, you know what? If you think you can hit it, even if you're not good at it, take that shot in Summer League because what have you got to lose? He hit it and did immediately what you're supposed to do, which is get back on defense. 
that was awesome. He felt pretty confident and comfortable taking that, which I think is exactly what you want to see out of him. I don't know if he's going to be relying on that a lot, and his scoring is far better inside and getting him the ball down low. But overall, he looked pretty good, and seeing the form on his jumper like that has to make you feel confident and good that he can develop that at the NBA level. And if this dude ever develops a consistent jumper, even a mid-range game, an in-between game, he's going to be absolutely devastating and a great fit alongside Zion Williamson. Didi Silva also looked good in this game. 12 points for him, three assists on the night, two rebounds. He was two of five from deep. He is very confident with that shot and is not afraid to go out and take it and look to score in other ways in this game that we really hadn't seen from him. Basically living in the paint at the rim, scoring his three other shots that way. It's really what you want to see from him. Definitely three and D. He was a little more out of position in this game defensively and offensively than he was in the first game he's got some very good natural basketball IQ there and kind of goes to fill spots but looked a little bit more lost in this game I thought than he did in game one which is fine no big deal he's going to be in Australia just getting some seasoning and experience anyway this is totally cool and overall you still have to feel impressed by him and that he's going to contribute someday to the Pelicans it just won't be next season definitely have sh- has shades of Josh Hart him. He's going to be a high-end rotation guy, I think, um, if not a starter. So overall, very nice to see from him. As I said in the previous segment about Big B Williams, 13 points on the night for him. He got to the line a good bit five times, hit three of those, six boards to go along with it, not one single turnover. It's good to see him play well. I just don't see where he fits on this roster, and he has no chance of making the opening day roster. And I don't know if they want to use the two-way contract on him that they have remaining. So we'll see. He's going to latch on somewhere. I don't know if it'll be with the Pelicans. I don't think it'll be with the Pelicans. If I were him, I wouldn't even be looking to come to the Pelicans training camp. I would try and go somewhere else. And we'll see if the Pelicans do right by him and maybe release him from whatever kind of deal he's on. And these summer league guys often come in into the team for training camp even after summer league even if they know it's a long shot but hopefully they kind of do right by him because he's a guy that should be on a two-way deal likely somewhere else it just probably won't won't be in new orleans We're going to touch on a few more topics quickly in the third segment, but before we do that, subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast, here for you Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. You're excited, I'm excited, your friends are excited, get them clued into the podcast as well. Few things are worse than your friend who doesn't actually understand basketball, trying to explain to you why you're wrong about basketball when you're in fact correct. Yeah, that dude's the worst. Make sure he's listening or she is listening to the Locked On Pelicans podcast again Monday through Friday. No one coming to you with this kind of frequency whatsoever. Wherever you get your podcast from, just search Locked On Pelicans and hit the subscribe button. The other day, David Griffin went on the Adrian Wojnarowski pod, the Woj pod over at ESPN, and had a couple of interesting things to say. I'm not going to recap a ton of it here because, frankly, I want you guys to go and listen to it and it would be wrong as another podcaster to just repeat the comments on his thing when you should click on it and at least kind of give him the business of that. Um, So I'm not going to dive into a ton of it here, and it's well worth the listen. It's always very insightful to hear David Griffin speak. He's also just a very good speaker in general. Um, 
and so definitely go give that a click and a listen. But he dove into some of the same things we've already heard, particularly with ownership and the investment that Gail Benson's making into this team. It's that everything that's happened, basically all of the good other than maybe the lottery luck that they've had is because of the investment that Gail Benson is putting into this. It's the reason he's there. It's the reason they hired Trajan Langdon. It's the reason they got Aaron Nelson from the Phoenix Suns and are doing renovations to the facility. And basically, she's putting in money to make this how it should be and execute his vision. And he was never going to take a job unless he had that from ownership. And Gail Benson has really committed. If there was any doubt that she's all in, it's gone now. And look, I was skeptical in the beginning when she was really taking charge and people were saying she's going to do this, she's going to do this, or she's a great owner already. We didn't know. But she has proven, I wouldn't say I wasn't expecting her not to be. I just said, I want to wait and see. So it's not that she proved me wrong, but she's gone out and proven it. Simple as that. And she has now done an excellent job in, his, in her short tenure as the primary person with this team. So having her here is probably the biggest competitive advantage that the Pelicans could get. And that's basically what David Griffin said. He had some interesting insight into the stuff with Anthony Davis. And he has said he either wants you all the way in or you're not part of this. You have to be fully committed, and through their conversations with Anthony Davis, it became clear that while he could maybe see a path to building a contender, he wasn't fully committed like David Griffin wanted him to be. And David Griffin goes on to say, quote, we almost took the decision out of his hands, end quote, where saying, you know, we weren't going to wait on this, and if he wasn't going to show it to us, we are just going to move on from him and kind of empowering themselves to just be like, okay, let's trade him. Very interesting to hear. So there sounds like no chance really of Anthony Davis coming back whatsoever. Even if he would have said, yes, I will come back for a year. I don't think that's what David Griffin was looking to hear. And he would have needed him to say, yes, I will sign the Supermax when you offer it. So I think that's kind of an intriguing aspect of all of this that they knew early on that he wasn't coming back and felt that, okay, let's just move on. He said, right now, maybe this team is considered a seller, but eventually they're going to be buyers. They're going to be a place where people want to go to, where players aren't trying to leave and only the best want to come be. And if you want to win, it's New Orleans where you're going to end up or want or at least look at. And that's what they're hoping to transition to. He spoke a little bit about the team building that he did over with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that was kind of a very interesting thing saying he doesn't want to build like that again. He wants a more organic long-term process that shows more on sustainability. All of a sudden, it was just coming in and being like, well, LeBron's here. Everyone needs to be better. We need to get this done. And he doesn't feel like that's a great way to kind of build up young guys where it's, okay, you haven't been good enough now. Now you need to be good enough because LeBron's here. So there's a more organic approach, I think, that they are taking everything to. And I think it's pretty interesting to see. So overall, those are some of the thoughts that he had. And I think it's it's always worth listening to him speak. But again, you hear the thoughtfulness, you hear the plan and the vision that he has, and he's great at communicating that. And it's always great to hear. It ties into something that Alvin Gentry said on the broadcast for the Summer League game, where 
after or before, sorry, before every practice, he goes up to each player, just says, how are you guys doing? Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything you need to talk about? And having a very good relationship with them. I think from the front office that was missing before under the tenure of Dell Demps, but they're really making this like a family and family is something that David Griffin has talked about a lot. They're absolutely building that here and it comes across in the way they communicate with their players and just treat others. I've told you the story that I saw um, at the Zion Williamson press conference where David Griffin was just really wanted the ticket staff there. I was like, please, you guys sit down, enjoy yourselves, take this moment in. You're part of this too. I think that's a really cool thing and it's going to hopefully end up with making this a location that people really, really want to be a part of. Other news was Zion wasn't at the game on the other night because he was over in LA for the ESPY Awards. He won Best College Athlete. That's pretty cool. Drew Brees also won an ESPY for best what sports moment or something like that for breaking the all-time passing yardage mark. And while up there, he said, hey, basically... It's your turn, Zion. New Orleans is yours now. Passing the torch like he did when he gave him the signed jersey, which it's kind of weird to to me to be like, and I'm not a famous NFL quarterback or anyone who signs autographs in the first place, but hey, I'm going to give you a gift. I signed my own jersey and now it's yours. I don't know. Something's very odd about that to me, but I get it and it worked. And that passing of the torch is really cool. And he did it on an even bigger stage the other night. So awesome to hear from that. Also, did you see what Drew Brees' kids were wearing? They apparently love Zion so much. They wanted to dress exactly like he was, looking pretty sharp in like deep burgundy red tuxedos with black lapels and black pants, which is what Zion was wearing. Or I think he was in a red total tuxedo, but Drew Brees' kids wore the red tuxedo jacket as well. Very cool to see that his family has just bought into the Zion hype. It is a real thing right now here in New Orleans. So that's kind of the recap of the news of the day for the Pelicans. We'll have some more coming in tomorrow's edition about Summer League. That means that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Don't forget to tune in. Should have a guest. Haven't recorded it yet. Not going to make any promises. There's a lot of weird weather going on that may impact things. We will see, but hopefully we will be able to dive more into Summer League in just a uh, day or two for you all. Again, if you're in New Orleans, stay safe, get prepared, don't take any chances. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all hopefully tomorrow. 